Charles Napier. Jim, who is Charles Napier? That Alfred the Butler? Yeah. No, he was in he was Adam in The Way to Eden. Come on, man. Who is Alfred the Butler then? That wasn't Charles Napier. Charles Napier was in Star Trek. He can't be both in Batman and Star Trek? We already know that's a lie. Frank Gorshin was in Batman and Star Trek. But the Riddler is better the Riddler's better than Batman. The Riddler's funnier than Batman, isn't he? Or is that the Joker? Is he funnier Alan, than Alan Napier? Alan Napier was that? Alan, yeah, Alan Napier was in uh, Batman. That's right. Who, if they had a joke off, who would win, the Joker or the Riddler? I guarantee you, there's somebody out there listening to this podcast who goes, "Well, you know, and back in 1953, in uh, episode uh, 47 of issue 53 of Action Comics, the Joker and the Riddler had a joke off, and the Riddler clearly won." They, they weren't in Action Comics. I think they were DC. See. That you're exactly the type of person who should know this. It's 9.07 p.m. on October 5th, 2011, and that means it's time for the Media Loper Bebop. Tonight, the cult of Apple loses its spiritual leader, and we discuss Steve Jobs' death and what it might mean for Apple. Then, Mitch Hurwitz doubles down on the possibility of the return of Arrested Development. And finally, we look at whether or not people even listen to albums as albums anymore. All that and what's in my mix on Media Loper Bebop Episode 18, A Huge Mistake. I'm Jim Connolly, and I only had two hours of sleep last night. With me as... Why is that, Jim? It's a long story. With me as... Why would you say that and then not follow through? Where is the hyperlink to the story? I'm already clicking the hyperlink to the story. Continue on with the intro... Well, I click the hyperlink to the story. With me, as always, our next big thing, Tim Gaskell. I had six hours of sleep. And fireballing closer, Kirk Biglione. I'm at the hyperlink. And what did you find there? <laughs> it's still loading. <laughs> <laughs> A few hours ago, we found out that Steve Jobs passed. And while I never really bought into the cult of personality that surrounded Steve Jobs and Apple, I'm not an idiot. He revolutionized computing, he revolutionized music players, and he revolutionized personal communications. Not bad. Tim, I have a very important question for you. Okay. How's Tyson doing with all this? Ooh, that's our, uh, my brother Tyson, yes. He's been into Apple and Macs uh, even longer than I have. And um, I haven't spoken to him. I even have, haven't even had a text from him. I think he did comment or he did uh, put something on my Facebook page, but... Um, yeah, I think he's probably taking it really, really hard. So, sorry, Tyson. I'm sorry for everybody, really, because, you know, yeah, as you said, Steve Jobs was an icon. And uh, as we may have said before, I don't think, I can't see the, the same kind of reaction happening in this day and age based on the life of anyone else in the technology field. Really, I mean, as much as I, you know, my, my ad admiration for Bill Gates really extends to his philanthropic, you know, side more than his Windows side because I'm not a Windows person. I, I you know, I respect the fact that he's very successful and and everything, but but boy, you know, I'm not, I've never loved his products like, you know, Steve Jobs, so. Big so, difference. So how how is it that Steve Jobs, the products that Steve Jobs and Apple built, 
contributed so much to what's uh, you know the outpouring that has happened since he since he died. Well, part of it, I believe, is the story of Apple itself. You know, the kind of the the original computer, then kind of losing the plot, almost you know failing, and then resurrecting and becoming the biggest thing on the planet, where it's combined, where its worth is on a par with the combined worth of banks in Europe and America combined. You know, it's it's got this. It's it's totally off the charts how ridiculously successful the company is, and if you invested in stock prices, or if you invested in Apple stock twenty years ago, you are a smart person. <laughs> Unless you sold it ten years ago. True. Are any of us smart people? I'm um, not. I I am a smart person who sold it too soon. <laughs> But I can comment on these things and, and not have to do a disclosure that I own an interest in Apple. I have no interest in Apple, other than the fact that I use their products frequently. Unfortunately, I have a goddamn Android phone. But everything else in my life is an Apple device, and Apple in general is something that's really kind of shaped everything we do in the digital world. I mean, look at look at how it shifted since the introduction of the iPhone. The introduction of the iPod was like uh, a warning shot. All media is going digital, and we're going to make it as easy as possible for you to get the music you want to hear on a device that you can take with you. And then the evolution to the iPhone was this cons. How long were we hearing that the mobile web was going to be the next big thing? If you were in the mm. web space. Yeah. Jim, do you remember all that talk around 99, 2000, how the mobile web is going to be the next big thing? And it never happened until the iPhone actually showed people how it was supposed to be. Everything out. Well, I think, I, you're right, Kirk, I think part of the reason it didn't really happen is, um, let's just go backwards a bit uh, to the mid-90s when they introduced the um, the Newton, Apple, the Apple Newton, and which was a bit before its time, and you know they it it didn't succeed. It just didn't quite. It wasn't the deal break, or I mean, it wasn't the game changer um, at the right time. Um, the technology just wasn't quite there yet to make it something that it, people were going to invest in in a big way. And it, it wasn't the right price, and it didn't work well enough. And it right. Was like, I mean, the iPhone actually, and here's the thing: like the impact, like. Look at how pervasive smartphones are now and will be in two years from now. It's going to be like the dominant phone. It's going to be a smartphone. Those yeah. clones and Android phones wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for the iPhone. We were on, you know, we were on track for more of the Motorola Razor. Right, which is exactly. So after the Newton came and went and everything, and then late, late 90s, early 2000s, when I started getting into the, the web space and we were working on Star Trek, we saw all kinds of possibilities at StarTrek.com to incorporate um, stuff for the phones, the, 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 the basic kind of, the really, really basic text-only um, stuff you could get on a, on a cell phone then. And so we converted a bunch of stuff like episode lists and synopses and stuff, very basic, but it was kind of cool, and I remember having it on my phone. But again, it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is just the greatest thing ever. But what it did is it said it pointed a direction to the future that 
you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is what is going to happen because if you look at computers in general, you know, they went from being monochrome to color, high def, etc. They made this very logical kind of progression, and phones were just the next thing to do that, and they have, and they will continue. Well, and the other thing, too, is Kirk mentioned the Razer, and did either of you guys have a Razer? I did. And so do you remember... Do you remember the web browser on the Razor? Yeah. <laughs> Who would ever use that? The web browser. Really? Who would ever use that? Exactly. The web browser on the Razor was literally the novelty of being able to access the internet on your phone. Mm-hmm. And the web browser on the iPhone was actually using the web on your phone. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And that no one thought that would be possible to do that, or no one could make it possible. I mean, that was revolutionary. And and that 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 single thing, the mobile web in your pocket, the actual web, to me was like the. I mean, even more than the iPod, even more than the iPod, that was like I think the key yeah. killer app. It was, and when <clears throat> everything got combined into one, I remember when we first saw the trailer the promo whatever for the new iphone everybody just said okay i'm I'm, i don't care what it takes i'm dropping whatever i have i'm getting an iphone so here's what i meant when i said it would have been four or five we'd still have the motorola razor when apple announced the iphone and did their demo you know it's coming out in june and you know how we reacted, how, how their com- competition reacted. The leading phone manufacturer at the time, RIM, maker of the BlackBerry, which was totally dominating the market for mm. smartphones in that era. Their reaction was, and we know this now because people who've quit or been fired have talked and they all have the same story. Internally, they saw the demos and thought that it wasn't real. They thought there's no way anyone could do anything <laughs> like this. It's not possible to make a phone like this. This is smoke and mirrors. This is not a real product. And then it took them a while after it came out to realize that not only was it a real product, but that people loved it. Wow. Well, so the point is, without Steve Jobs driving that sort of development, if Apple had not been you know, that driven to produce the iPhone, which you know it was a priority for them to push the boundaries with that technology... Um, we wouldn't have a mobile web yet or we'd have something significantly less usable than what we have today. And that is a major... The web in a usable form anywhere you go is revolutionary. So we, have, I think we need to all... Uh, <clears throat> you know, this is the, the Steve Jobs wake, as it were, and we all need to uh, raise a glass. Or raise Mr. our iPhones in the air. Raise your iPhones, and you know raise what? Our, raise our razors. Raise your razor. But you know what? Turn on your lighter app for Steve Jobs and hold it in the air. We originally were going to talk about the 4S um, in this segment, but I do have a question, Kirk. Were you going to um, get rid of your goddamn Android phone for 4S? I'm on an accelerated Verizon program that will make me eligible for parole <laughs> on March 29th of 2012. Oh, just in time for the actual iPhone 5. So when I get out, 
on March. I know an iPhone is waiting for me on the other side, and it will be whatever the current iPhone is at that time. 4S is a state-of-the-art iPhone with the fastest processor ever, the fastest graphics ever. Yep. Best camera. Best camera ever. HD and, HD oh, video. by the way, iOS 5, which does some amazing stuff. All that stuff with location-based um, to-do lists and voice activation. This is the potential to be a sci-fi-like device. Are we done with uh, Steve Jobs and the iPhone? Yeah, I need another drink. Are we breaking? Yeah. What are we drinking? I'm drinking bourbon. Um, hang on one second and I'll tell you. Hang on one second, I'll be right back. Hang on one second. I'm going to get a drink. All right, we done with our drink break? Aberlore. I'm sorry, what? The Aberlore. Is that how it's pronounced? I don't know. Is it a, is it a bourbon or a scotch? Uh-huh. One of you probably gave it to me. Oh, it might have been me or Kirk. Exactly. I think this is going to be a relatively short podcast. Which which is good because I don't want to... I didn't want to spend a whole another eight hours editing Steve Jobs songs into the podcast. <laughs> That's a good whiskey, though. Even a bad whiskey is a good whiskey. That's not true. Yeah, you're right. Bad whiskey will make you feel bad. It's not like pizza. Or blowjobs. What would you say about Steve Jobs? <laughs> uh, no, his brother, Blow. <laughs> we are so going to hell. Yeah. That. So anyway, did we... Did was it you that said uh, Steve Jobs is in the cloud now? No, that's good. Maybe it was me. Now the story of a wealthy family who lost everything and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. It's arrested development. This last weekend, a very small subset of the world was set on fire with the announcement by Mitch Hurwitz, creator of the beloved sitcom Arrested Development, that not only was a long-rumored film going ahead, but they were going to make a fourth season of the TV show. Given that there's a long way between planning to make and actually making, those of us who loved Arrested Development were split between being wildly optimistic and totally pessimistic. Tim, here's my question. Given that it's a nearly perfect thing, do we really yep. need any more Arrested Development? Or is it maybe going to ruin its legacy as the best sitcom of the 2000s? Well, I think as long as <clears throat> usually what happens when, when series go to hell is when you change the creative team. If you keep the creative team in place, um, you're more likely to succeed. And I think if they do that, knowing the product as well as they do and the personalities of all the, the the characters involved. I think it's a good thing, and I'm I would I would welcome it because this is probably one of my favorite comedy shows ever, and I'm watching it right now. You're running Harry through it, right? Yeah, we're rewatching it with my son, and you know it's it's even better the second time if that's possible. It's, it's so good. So you don't think for the final season in the movie bringing a kid in like a baby is going to be a problem storyline because no. that's usually a sign that 
the series is going downhill. Or the the mid. Haven't, or, you haven't seen the early scripts that are floating around? Mm-mm. No. It'd be a, it's going to be a baby season. Who's having the baby? Actually, Tobias is going to be a nanny. <laughs> See. <laughs> Well, isn't he already been a nanny? I, I I keep going back and forth. Like on one level, I really think that it was it was it, it was it such a product of its time and so well done that I don't want it to be ruined. I don't want it to end up being like the Smashing Pumpkins reunion. I want it to be more like Super Chunk or Dinosaur Junior. Well, hang on. First of all, the Smashing Pumpkins is now the Smashing Pumpkin. He's the only original member. Right. Um, and as far as I know, they're getting the whole cast back. Including Michael Sarah. I, yeah, I believe so. So it, it, what is the concept? Is, does anyone know? Does It that can't pick up where it left off. Sometimes no, it's supposed to fill in nine or ten episodes to fill in, to bring the characters up to date. And then a possible where, did, where does the story pick up, though? It has to be like years later now. Probably. Yeah, they'll probably have gaps. But, you know, with a show like that, it's nonlinear. They can flash back. You know, they can do all kinds of stuff. So you can, you know, you can fill in, you can fill in the whole five years very easily. They could do several whole episodes of flashbacks to the last five years. The whole, you the know, whole series is flashbacks. The only, the only shows I can think of that really did this and kind of continued to have success for a while, <clears throat> I think are Futurama and Family Guy, who they, they kind of went away for a year or two and then came back. But and, um, and, and both those cases, success is relative. His success is relative, yeah, and it's a bit spotty, but the I can't think of a live-action show that did that. You know, I, can't, I don't count something like Joni Loves Chachi or any kind of spinoff like <laughs> I, you you would have to be it would have to be the original. Are you sure? I think you have to count Joni Loves Chachi. I think mm-hmm. technically, <laughs> the rule book says that anything that is recognized by the board and certified as a show that's like a spinoff, you have to mm-hmm. know. All right, maybe that's, that's a bad right. example. The commissioner. <laughs> Gordy. Oh, oh well, Gordy Gordy totally recognizes Joni Loves Chachi as a show. But here, let me, let me just go through a couple. Here, here are my thought. Basically, um, I'm not. I'm neither for nor against. I'm looking forward to it, so I guess I'm for it. I was but, gonna say, yeah, that looking forward to it is for it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So the, but the thing about Hollywood, Hollywood likes kind of a sure thing. That's why they always go back to the superhero movies. They always go back to um, kind of the 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 big ticket. Um, franchise movies and nowadays they're going back to the remakes but it just seems like a sitcom picking up five years after it left off that that, that that's a new thing with the same people right but there's the thing is there's been a clamoring for this from the fans and the producers for a long time it's really been the money people or whatever at fox that have been the ones i think that put the brakes on it and as far as getting all the cast back, actually, I don't know. If they get Michael Sarah, he, he may be a holdout. Who knows? Because of his amazing movie career. But uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, actually, the closest analogy to this in terms of time between the last episode and, let's say, the movie comes out in 2012, if there is a movie or whatever, is Star Trek. Sure. 
I mean, though the animated, but even the animated series was what four or five years after the the original series went off the air. But You're the right. films were a decade. They so they could do Arrested Development the next generation. They could. What's to stop them if, I mean, why would they limit it to a season and a movie? If you're going to do that much, you're obviously interested in doing the show. Or Arrested Development. If if it's popular, why not keep doing it? What are the chances of that? Who knows? Well, first of all, Will Arnett has four or five more failed sitcoms to be in 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 the next couple of years. That's true. (laughs) As does Portia de Rossi. Yeah. If this is their most beloved, this would it would be to their advantage to do this one well. Instead of all the other bad ones. So anyway, I would rather see them try and fail than not try at all. That's my that's my take on arrest Me too. Absolutely. Complete I'm, agreement. I'm with the it was perfect. It's fine. I'll I'll watch it, but okay. But what so what if it's the best thing? Be what if it's even better? I, I don't think it's going to be better. That's my problem. I'm like I, one of those people that would say that, oh, we shouldn't do an American version of The Office because we'll mess it up. No, that's completely different. Oh, oh, it's completely different, is it? <laughs> Let's see if I can get this, get this, get this right. There, it's, it was part of its time and place, and. It's going to not. I just don't think it's going to work as well now as it did then. And are you saying that because a black man is president? Yes, that's yeah, exactly. Is this, that, why, is this a? Is this your like way of trying to be delicate about what you really mean? Look, the country's gone straight to hell, and it's like if Hitler played golf with Tobias Fuque. <laughs> See, I can say Hitler and then cut it out, and no one will ever know I said it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to try to trick one of us into saying Hitler, and then you're going to edit it together. So it sounds like we said Hitler. And you're going to make us look real Damn bad. It. I said Hitler. <laughs> Tim, don't say Hitler. Whatever why you do, I, don't why, say Hitler. Why would I say Hitler? Why would I have a reason to say Hitler? Nothing, guys. I'll cut all of this out. I promise. Jim, don't be Hitler about it. <laughs> just, just, but just editing you guys saying Hitler makes me Hitler, right? Yes. The H word. We can't say it. For the longest time, this is how I listened to music. I would listen to album after album from start to finish. Albums I liked more would get more plays, of course, whereas albums I didn't like as much would get ignored. And eventually the songs I liked would end up on mixtapes, either of my favorite songs by an artist, or maybe all of the songs I discovered in a certain time period. In any event, I always called my favorite songs and hardly ever listened to the ones I didn't like after the first initial period of listening to them. Then, the digital revolution happened, and suddenly I had access to thousands of songs and a way to randomly shuffle through those songs. And just like that, everything changed. Instead of listening to albums from start to finish, I could put a couple dozen albums onto an iPod, hit shuffle, and discover music that way. Not only was it a way to find out which albums I liked, song by song by song, it was a way to discover the one or two good songs from an otherwise worthless album. I don't do this all the time, but it pretty much is my primary discovery method for music these days. And of course, I'm not the only person to do that, right? Do either of you guys listen to albums as albums that much anymore? 
Um, only when I get when I download something new, I will listen to it pretty much straight through the first time, first two times maybe, and then it's in the mix. And then, yeah, I kind of sort out the songs I don't like. There's always one or two I really don't like and ever need to hear again. So I just remove them from the mix. But at least the you know I tried. Especially bands I really like, I tried to listen to the album at least a couple of times in its entirety because, you know, it has a flow and it has its own sense of, um, you know, it, it it just has its, you know, when you identify with an artist, you know, your, your classic artists from the past and everything, you, you know exactly where that song appears on the album, although... Nowadays, that's less and less likely. Even even if if I do listen to an album a few times, um, it doesn't really you know its placement on the album doesn't really have the same effect. But I do like to you know if it's a great album, I do like to kind of have that. Uh, um, I I do like to have that sense about an album. The flow. Yeah. What about you, Kirk? You know, it really depends. For artists that uh, I'm I'm really into, as soon as I get a new album, I'll I'll try to listen to it all the way through. But anything new goes into the mix, which is this big vat of random music that's not the whole universe of random music, but just like the last 60 to 90 days of random music, depending on how much random music there is to listen to. Um, and if it's someone that either I know and care about a lot, something I've been anticipating, I'll definitely listen to that all the way through, like at least once. But a lot of other new stuff, you throw it in the mix and you don't go through and listen to it until it jumps out at you. And when something really jumps out at me, then I want to give it a try from start to finish to see mm. if maybe something that needs to be continuous that I need to pay attention to. And once in a while, I'll just go back randomly and just start listening to albums because I want to. Which, like tonight, I listened to a new album from start to finish just because I decided that the Charles Bradley album is the soundtrack to 2011, so I had to hear it from start to finish tonight. Was it? Yeah. Like, if it's like the new Wilco album I listened to start to finish, or the whole Stadia or Drive-By Truckers or a band that has already established that I like their album sequentially in the past. Like when the uh, REM Collapse into Now album came out, I listened to that a few times start to finish. Yeah, yeah. And then I put it into the mix. And, but, you know, most of the other things, I don't. I'll download it, pop it in the mix, and maybe if I go, oh, I like five or six songs from this after, you know, a couple of weeks, then I might listen to it a couple of times sequentially. But, Normally, no, because it's it's. It just feels like it's a a better way to discover a wider breadth of music than than to listen to like four or five albums in a week every day. Yeah, and that's that's the classic ex- result of the transition from limited to you know limited of both analog but digital in an analog format, which is what the CD was to music everywhere online available over the network is you, you have access to so much more music. If you're interested, you want to listen to as much as, as of that as possible. And the mix is perfect for doing something like that. This is why potentially something like Spotify could be that kind of ultimate discovery jukebox, which I think is what we're looking for. And then we can go into deep listening 
which is when you want to hear the whole thing in sequence or maybe all of one artist or however you want to do it. So when I brought this up as I, I on my Facebook page of as here's what we're going to talk about tonight, you know, do people listen to albums as albums anymore? I got about like a, I don't know if you, either guys saw it. I got like a, like a dozen responses from people saying, "Oh yeah, I do it all the time." And nearly mm. all of them are guys, music fans in their 20s, like the guys from the Audio Assault, Jaron Oswald and and Joe and and guys like that who who are younger and I think it's because they are still going through the canon, the albums that we've listened, we listen to as albums. So they're kind of discovering music that way. And have they discovered Kansas yet? Not yet, mm. but, but they listen to a lot of stuff through vinyl too. So there's, there are their oh, bodies. They'll, they'll get to Kansas. And Utah was the best, but don't say anything about Utah. Eventually they'll stumble upon Utah. <laughs> a lot of younger people listening to vinyl, a lot of older people listening to digital. It's interesting. Yeah, it really is, and then I think it's um, it's a it's a music snob double reverse basically. Mm. It's like I can't imagine going back to the to listen to vinyl when I have an iPod that's got twenty thousand songs on it. And it's my own damn jukebox. I, I could as a hobby, and if I had a setup for like an audio file, I could imagine doing that. But I don't, and I don't. Now in my life, I don't have time to sit still and listen to music and lift a needle up and put it down. Well, so it doesn't really work from a practical point of view. That's the other thing, too. You have I, I may not have a whole album's worth of time to listen to, to anything, but you know if you're in your 20s and you've got all the time in the world and you're struggling with the, the, the fact that there's 50 years of rock history to try to catch up with, that is, and you're unemployed, and you're smoking dope, <laughs> and uh, go ahead and say all the other stuff that these guys are doing. Okay, yeah, they're unemployed and they're smoking dope. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, okay? I'm not casting judgment. I'm just noting. It's just a matter of time. You have more time to listen to anything. It's the, the, the lack of convenience doesn't bother you as much, I think. But for us older folk, mm -hmm. who, by the way, are all only like six or seven years younger than Steve Jobs. Yeah, that's <laughs> what's scary. Um, yeah, the other, th the other thing I do like to do occasionally when I'm... Um, it, it's kind of a mood thing with the albums is I will pull out a CD and if I'm getting in the car and I have to make a drive and go pick up a kid up or something and I've got half an hour in the car on my own or whatever I might put a pop a CD in and try that out for a size just to just just for old time's sake it's kind of fun I also notice when I'm driving home from my commute and the like the first track of an album I really love comes on I'll switch it off the mix and let it play the album straight through right 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 yeah I've done that so I guess the bottom line is however you want to listen to music is fine exactly <laughs> exactly now, I heard that though that's not everyone has that worldview. Hmm. You mean some are strictly mix and some are strictly album? Well, no. When you buy some certain manufacturer's equipment, you sign an agreement to listen to music a certain way. Oh, the Durosport. Famous consumer contracts. You have to listen to what they tell you? Well, no, there are a certain number of Moldovan polka artists who are interjected into your mix, and you have no choice in the matter. You, ha you can't win those 
tracks that they've sold to their sponsors come up in your mix. This is the puts with offers, the, yeah. the Durosport puts with offers. When those tracks that have been sponsored come up in your mix, you have to listen to them. You can't forward, you can't pause, you can't even stop. It takes over your whole stereo. And then, I, I think that's a great idea. You know, you should be forced to hear music. And now it's time for In The Mix. And of course one of the albums I listened to straight through the moment I got it was the new album from Wilco called The Whole Love. I think it's their best album since A Ghost Is Born, which on one hand isn't saying much since they've only done two records in that time. So let's say it this way, this is the first Wilco album since A Ghost Is Born that has had a shot at my year in list. I like it because it rocks more than any Wilco album since their debut. I mean Nels Klein is an absolute monster. But my favorite song is the 12-minute all-acoustic album closer, One Sunday Morning, song for Jane Smiley's boyfriend, which is just very much, I think, R.E.M. influence and just gorgeous and somehow maintains this perfect mood for 12 long minutes. Bless my mind I miss Vile is someone I'd never heard of until a whole bunch of people started tweeting about his set at this year's Lollapalooza. Hilariously enough, they were tweeting about his hair as much of his music, but the overall buzz intrigued me enough to dig up his latest album, Smoke Ring for My Halo, which is woozy atmospheric singer-songwriter tunes, the best of which is called Ghost Town. And finally, the album Father, Son, Holy Ghost by the San Francisco band Girls, whose retro vibe is getting great write-ups right now by the same hipsters who will diss them three years later for doing exactly the same thing. In any event, this is a big epic tune called Vomit. We'll see you all soon. Thanks. But we do have one more thing. One more thing. Tim. One more thing. One more thing. Oh, while you were on the uh, subject of Wilco, 
I read this great thing in the um, Rolling Stone this week, a little interview with Jeff Tweedy. I don't know if you read this, Jim, about Born Alone, the song, and how it ends with uh, a thing called a shepherd tone, which is a continually descending uh, a descending right. chord, basically, that goes on. And it lasts for about 40 seconds or 50 seconds, the closing of the of the song. And I'd never heard of this before, but um, I, I remember hearing the song for the first time going, God, that's a cool effect, because basically the way you hear music is when it... When a chord or whatever, when it descends, you expect it to come back up or resolve into the tonic, whatever, you know, to get back to whatever. But when it keeps descending, your brain kind of goes with it and you're kind of, you're just waiting for it to change and it doesn't do that. And it does, it goes straight to the fade out with this um, descending tone. And I thought it was a very clever trick and he said it was uh, uh, kind of a similar thing used in I Am The Walrus by The Beatles. So that's probably why it maybe has a similar feel, but um, I thought that was a really cool musical term of the week, the shepherd tone. One more thing, Kirk. So, um, unfortunate we're all sad about Steve Jobs passing today but there have been some other deaths this week that I thought we should pause to you know at least have a moment of silence in honor of other passings Um, yesterday of course the iPod classic was killed yes let the record reflect that was Jim Conley's sigh (laughs) Not my 160 mine. GB will pry that thing from my cold, dead hands. You know, oh, I'm going to buy one now. This is like Coke Classic now. Get your 160 gigabyte, gigabyte iPod Classic while you can, because they won't be there tomorrow. Day before Steve Jobs, the iPod Classic. One more thing. One of the reasons that October is my favorite time of year is that it's time for the Major League Baseball playoffs. Already we've seen the Tampa Bay Rays get eliminated. It's a shame that the later rounds of the playoffs will be broadcast on Fox, who broadcasts every game grudgingly at best and passive-aggressively at worst, and will feature the announcing skills, quote-unquote, of Tim McCarver, the worst baseball analyst ever to strap on a mic. Before that, though, it's still the early rounds, and as always, I call upon every right-thinking American to join me in rooting against the New York Yankees. Tim and Kirk, we don't agree on much, but we do agree on this, right? Yes. How could you even <laughs> ask that question? I'm insulted yeah. that you needed to. Yeah, like like you need an answer. That's a rhetorical question, I think. Um, of course we hate the Yankees. What's great, though, about the first round of the playoffs is three of the four are going to a game five. How awesome is that? How often does that happen? The Giants never went to. The Giants last year never took any team to a to a deciding fifth or seventh game. Just so saying. a quick media loper poll. Tim, what's worse, Hitler or the Yankees? Oh God! Oh, you know Hitler. Kirk, what's worse, Hitler or the Yankees? I have documentation that can prove that Hitler owned the Yankees <laughs> and that Steinbrenner was his, was directly related to Hitler. 
The answer is, it doesn't matter. They both suck in different ways. And that does it for Media Lipper Bebop episode 18, a huge mistake. Thanks to everybody for listening. And as always, thanks to Tim Gaskell. A minor mistake. And Kirk Biglione. What is the huge mistake? Gob. Gob in uh, Arrested Development always says, I've made a huge mistake. Oh, Job. Got it. His name's Job. Never never mind. (laughs) (sighs) Got it. Thanks, guys, for surviving yet another week of this madness. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your host, Jim Connolly, and we'll catch you all next week. Same Bebop time, same Bebop channel. 